Praise the Lord. Let's get into the word of the Lord this morning. The book of Romans chapter number 8. The book of Romans chapter number 8. And we're going to read starting at verse 35. And then we're going to look at verses 37 through 39. And uh, as you turn there and get to the place in Scripture, if you would stand with us for the reading of God's Word here this morning. And uh, we are going to share here what the Lord has laid upon our hearts. And I'm going to do my best to share and get out of the way and let God do what He wants to do. Amen. And uh, that we can meet with Him here I know he's already in this place, already blessing, speaking, touching, and uh, we're thankful, amen, for him this morning. Romans 8, starting at verse number 35, if you're there with me, would you say amen? The Bible, the Apostle Paul, he asked this question, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? He asks a question and lays out all of these things. He said, what's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Let's look at verse 37. Verse 37, he provides an answer to the question, nay, or no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He says, for I am persuaded, hallelujah, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, somebody shout amen, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. If I can this morning for just a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, there isn't Enough. Amen. There isn't enough. Won't you look at somebody and just tell them, there isn't enough. Now you might say, well, Brother Jacob, what am I saying there isn't enough of? We're going to look at that this morning. There isn't enough. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for your faithfulness and I thank you for every heart and life represented here today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that, that you would anoint and bring clarity, Lord, to my mind, my lips. Lord, help me to preach as would bring you glory. Hide me, I pray, behind the cross. Lord, for we want you to be seen and you to be heard. Anoint our ears that we would hear and our hearts that we would receive. And let your word take root in our souls. Help us, Lord, that we can testify that we have been changed, that we're different than the way that we've come because of you. We ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. There isn't enough. Have you ever found yourself, and I know this is a rhetorical question because I know this is true, 
and uh, bear with me because we're going to look at some of these things this morning. But have you found yourself with that sentiment before? Have you found yourself making the statement that there wasn't enough of what it was that you needed? As a matter of fact, I would dare say that all of us can identify with that. As a matter of fact, it's probably true that to some degree, even this morning, you have made such a statement, and you made the statement and didn't even really realize that you were saying it. Uh, and well, let me just jog your memory here for a moment because there is some that when the alarm went off this morning and you reached over and you turned it off, one of the first things you said, or Brother Josh, one of the first things we thought was, that was not enough sleep. Amen. I ain't going to tell you who I just saw them looking at their spouse, smiling like, mm-hmm, uh-huh. That was you. That's not enough sleep. Maybe uh, there is a parent that is in the house this morning and you are trying to get those kids ready. You're trying to get everything together and already mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, or maybe you had to remind your spouse of this or whoever there was in your household and say, there's not enough time for you to be doing that. We've got to go. We've got to get on the road. We've got to get to church. Amen. Maybe you have said this morning that there was maybe a discrepancy. There was a fight. World War III was about to break out in your kitchen because there wasn't enough Pop-Tarts for everybody. Amen. Maybe there wasn't enough milk for the two, for, for, for folks to share or be able to have enough cereal to eat. Amen. Maybe there wasn't enough eggs and God help us if there wasn't enough coffee in the house. Oh, but hear me this morning. We all have said or we all have had the sentiments of stating that there was not enough. I, this morning, I was thinking in my mind of this particular sentiment and this thing, amen, as to where uh, we find ourselves running short sometimes. There are things as to where there's just not enough, amen, of what is needed. Uh, I, just here, probably within the last couple of months, uh, there was a, a request that I had made uh, to Sister Carolyn. And uh, during Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's a lot of cooking and a lot of baking that goes on at our house. And, and uh, Sister Carolyn, she was getting the menu for the different dinners and the different events and all these things. And she was working her way through that, Sister Cindy. Well, at this one, I'm going to bring this. And for this one, I'm going to bring that. And I, I asked her, Sister Mildred I said well I said look here I said uh, I'm just going to make one request I just want one thing during this season now I normally get this on my birthday and I and I said so here at Christmas I want one thing and she said what is I said I want your carrot cake I want you to make me a carrot cake and so brother Chris she spit shaked and pinky sweared and said I would be sure to have a carrot cake well let's just say that time went on and 
and everybody got their cakes and pies and everybody got their stuff but I'm still looking around brother Tobin and no carrot cake just yet and I, I threw out a few reminders sister Sandy and told her said you know uh, you know so and so got that and so and so got this but I'm still waiting on that carrot cake and so she assured me I had not been forgotten and so brother Aaron as a loving wife as she is she stayed up a matter of fact I was on my way to bed and and uh, I said you going to stay up because she had some stuff to put together and she said yes she said I'm staying up extra late so I can make you your carrot cake yeah somebody said oh and I said well praise the Lord I wasn't going to talk her out of staying up I wasn't going to I wasn't going to talk her out of burning the midnight oil, amen, because finally I was going to get what I was after. And so unbeknownst to me, while I had went to sleep and I was uh, dreaming off somewhere, amen, in the wee hours of the night, uh, uh, my wife came up against a problem. She had promised me this carrot cake. I was looking forward to waking up and going to see it sitting in the dish and in the cake, the serving cake uh, uh, tray thing, you know, I, I was looking for Brother Keith and my wife uh, as she was putting things together one of the ingredients for the recipe uh, it calls for some cream cheese and, and she had used now listen she had used all the cream cheese in the house over everybody else's goodies so when it came for her husband's carrot cake, she was in trouble. She had got all of her batter together. She was getting everything together. She goes to the fridge because she believes that there's still some cream cheese only to her uh, to be horrified over the fact that she's without cream cheese. Well, my friends, let me tell you about this time now. It's closing in nearly on 11 o'clock. And so the local store, the little Dollar General down the road from us where, you know, you can sometimes run when you're in a pinch and go grab something from there. They were closed and, and uh, here she was. It's 11 o'clock nearly. She's uh, already in her comfy clothes and in there cooking and putting stuff together. And so she's, uh, she said, I wasn't going to dare wake you up and ask you to run down to Walmart for they closed to get that cream cheese. Now, it would have been a test of how badly I wanted that carrot cake. But what happened was, is now Noah's not here this morning. Noah was running fever today and needs a touch in his body. But my wife, uh, she improvised and she contacted Noah, our co cousin Noah. She said, Noah, she said, I need your help. He said, what's going on? She said, would you please, pretty please, I don't know what all bargain she made with him, but she, she asked him, would you go to the store and get that cream cheese and bring it out to the house? And, and she laid out all of the pitiful excuses how she used cream cheese for everybody else but for her husband. And so he came and he showed up and he saved her in the middle of that crisis. And, and uh, my wife, yes, bless her heart, she made the carrot cake, but the real hero... 
the real hero of the story, the real reason why I was able to enjoy that carrot cake is that when there wasn't enough, there was somebody who showed up, amen, in order to step in and said, I'll make a way when there's not enough and when you can't get to what you need, hallelujah. Now, can I say this this morning, that in my mind's eye and in my heart, there are some things here today, and I know I'm being silly here for a little bit, but let me just share with you this. As God began to roll this around in my spirit, I can assure you here today that there are some of you that are sitting right here in this building, and you can testify of the fact that there are some things that you're looking at, there are some things you're up against, there are some situations you are dealt with, and the sentiment, the statement, the thought of there isn't enough is creeping in and taking residence in your mind. It's setting in the place where faith should be. It's setting in the places of things as to where you are confronted in dealing and it challenges you. And not only does it challenge you, but it challenges the work that Christ wants to do in you and the way that he wants to move in your life. I want you to know is that when we say there is not enough, this is a statement that says that what you have is not sufficient to meet the demands of what you're up against. Let me say that again. Every one of us in here, we have been, will be, or you already are at a place where what you are up against, what you are facing, that what you have is not sufficient to meet the demands that are required of you. Maybe you could say, like Sister Carolyn, you're missing some ingredients. You'd say, Brother Jake, I don't have the power, the fortitude. I don't have the emotional capacity enabled to go through or to step into or to overcome some of these things that are going on. There simply isn't enough. Now before you find yourself in a place of feeling like maybe all is lost, maybe a feeling like is there any is there any saving grace in this situation? I want to remind you that here as Paul was declaring to the church at Rome in regards to the things when he said I'm looking around and he asked the question is there anything that's going to separate us from the love of Christ. When we look at this, I want you to notice if your Bible's still open in Romans 8, where we took our text, that same chapter, verse 31, he actually starts before he ever asks a question with this statement. He said, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, what can be against us? Let me declare the word of the Lord one more time. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, what shall be or who can be against us? 
Let me this morning, I want to touch on a few things and tell you that this morning that there isn't enough of. Hear me. I want to first make the statement and declaration to somebody. Amen. Here this morning. That there isn't enough sin that can keep God from loving you and from saving you. Amen. I want you to know right now, there is not enough sin that you are going to find where God looks at and says, well, because of that sin, I can no longer love you. Or because of that sin, I cannot show you my redemptive work. Now, the Bible declares to us, and we know, and some of you Bible scholars right now in your mind, you're sitting there thinking, well, the Bible says there's one sin that can't be forgiven, and that That's blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. And yes, we know that. And let me assure you of something. If you reach the point in your life and in your mind where you have blasphemed the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't even be in this sanctuary this morning. You wouldn't even want to be sitting here in the presence of of God. You wouldn't even want to be around, amen, God's people. And so let me first tell you, I had met with the person one time, and they were telling me of things that they were afraid of, Brother Gary, that God could not save or God could not forgive Brother Eddie they laid out to me the rap sheet they laid out every infraction they had ever committed they laid out every embarrassing moment they laid out every vile sin and they said here's what you don't know Brother Jake you don't know these things that I've done that I've committed and I'm telling you I struggle I'm telling you every time I'm in church I wonder if God's able. I live with condemnation. I live with shame. I live with regrets. And I don't know if God can. Can I say this morning that that very person, it represents you and I. Because even this week, or maybe even this morning, you are confronted with the sin of your flesh. You're confronted with the sin that you have committed you are confronted with the sin of this humanity but I'm glad to declare to you as Paul had said I've looked around I've made a list and I've come to find out there's absolutely nothing that's going to separate me from the love of God hallelujah listen You cannot find freedom from sin if you think that you can't be forgiven of it. If you're making a note, write that down. You cannot be set free from sin. Brother Gary, as long as the enemy convinces you that you can't be forgiven of sin. Come on here. Now, I know you start preaching on sin. Everybody gets quiet and everybody gets uncomfortable. But I'm going to tell you right now, one of the biggest lies of the enemy 
as we come in and we sit on these pews and there's worship taking place and there's preaching taking place the word of God is working the spirit of God is moving and there are folks that they never make a move they never yield they never surrender because somewhere in the course of their mind brother Mike they are sitting there thinking they're absolutely unworthy thinking they are absolutely incapable of receiving mercy they'll look across the aisle and say well that's good for gin but it's not good for Gloria it's it's okay for Bobby Wilson but I don't know brother Marvin you see because we start measuring by standards of righteousness based upon our humanity we start looking around and saying well this one's got a record and that one don't this one boy I mean they was really bad off but I'm okay and we sit here and there are folks that they never respond to say God would Would you forgive me? Because they think God is not interested in forgiving. But I came to tell somebody. There's not a sin that is too bad. That is too gross. That is too deep. That is too ugly. That is too wretched. That is too filthy. That is too vulgar. Is there anybody here what I'm saying? The blood of Jesus It washes us wider than snow. Hallelujah. And we get to a point and a place as to where we are setting and we think it's too much, too far. Listen, there are some sins that are not exhibited in the form of addictions or attach themselves to where they are visible sins. So let me say this one, especially to the church folk, to the religious folk. There's also sin that's not too secretive. That God can't see and that God can't forgive you of. Can I ask you the question, why live another minute in bondage? Why live another minute in condemnation? Why live another second? Amen. And thinking you're unworthy. Listen to me. The word of God said in the fact that God so loved. Can I tell you, I know the Bible said that he loved the world. But Brother Hemphill, I love when I'm reading scripture, I love to personalize scripture. And so I just put in there sometimes brother Aaron for God so loved Jacob that he sent his only begotten son God so loved Keith Morgan God so loved Kimberly Miller God so loved James Wilson God so loved Anna Walker are you glad that God so loved you in such a way that he said there's not enough sin that's going to keep me away from you hallelujah hallelujah I've told you the story before of two dear sister saints and in a place between here and China and we're starting revival on that Sunday morning they was in the foyer shaking hands and being spiritual you know how it is oh bless you bless you bless you bless you God bless you. So glad you're here. We're so glad. Say, look at folks. I'm so glad you're here to worship with us today. All the right things. Until Bobby Barnett walked in. Bobby Barnett walked in. I didn't know who Bobby Barnett was at that time. He walked in and there was no hand stuck out to shake. 
they very soon became a concrete monument. But their eyes did the talking, looking at one another. Bobby Barnett, I was standing out there. I shook his hand. I didn't know who it was, but I'm watching their reaction, thinking, what in the world? And then one of them decided to let the evangelist know, leaned over to me and said, that man right there is a problem. That man right there has a reputation. And she said, right there to me in the foyer, she said, there ain't no hope of him ever getting saved. But she said, God is my witness, scouts honor what she said. And right then, Sister Mildred, the Holy Ghost quickened my heart. And maybe it was, wasn't as spiritual of a prayer as it should have been, but I, I said right there under my breath, Brother Chad, I said, God, prove him wrong. God, prove him wrong. God, prove him wrong. And here's what, here's what I didn't know, Brother Eddie. I was just a kid. I was just a kid when my Uncle Ronnie was ran off the road by the crazy ex-husband of his wife. It was an abusive situation. Sadly, the, that her first marriage to this gentleman, it ended in divorce. He was abusive and laid hands on her. It was just, I don't, I'm not going to go into all the details, but it was a bad situation. Years later, my Uncle Ronnie married Diane and her crazy ex-husband. They was on the back roads in the country. And Brother Marvin, her ex-husband, showed up in the car, ran him off the road, pulled a gun on him, was threatening to kill my uncle. I mean, just absolutely crazy. There was all kinds of things that happened that day. I'll never forget getting the phone call. I was with mom and dad. I can tell you where we were. And they said, you've got to come. Your uncle Ronnie, he got arrested. Him and this other gentleman, they arrested him until the cops could sort it all out. And what I didn't know, Sister Haley, is a man that ran my uncle off the road and the man that pulled a gun on him, that his name was Bobby Barnett. And here I was preaching revival and of all people to be sitting in the congregation. The congregation, Sister Mary, you're getting it. Thank you. The one sitting in the congregation that I'm going to spend the next seven nights with uh, preaching is Bobby Barnett. And my grandmother was within about 30 minutes of the church. And she showed up every service of revival. Granny Merle, she sat there on about where Sister Polly's at. And I remember service number one. First of all, I didn't know who he was in, Brother Pickens. Service number one, he never made a move. By Monday night, I'm going to fast forward. By Monday night, I watched Bobby Barnett grabbing a hold of that pew. He stood up and he made his way to the altar. I never had to lead him in a prayer. He lifted his voice to heaven and out loud he said, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. Night one, or Monday night, he was saved. Tuesday night, his wife and children were saved. Wednesday night, his co-workers, he was a contractor, they came in and got saved. And there about Wednesday, my Granny Merle was sitting there. She had no clue who he was or that, or that, that was him in the building. And I watched, I watched on Wednesday before service, Bobby Barnett walked over to my Granny Merle. And he said, you Merle Kendrick? She said, yes, I am. She just a smiling. Yes, I am. He 
tears started running and that lip started trembling. He said, well, he said, I'm Bobby Barnett. And my granny Merle, I remember watching the expression on her face like, what in the world? And at first I didn't know because you got to know granny Merle's hillbilly all the way. <laughs> and I'm, t- I'm Tobin, she had a pocket knife in her purse, I promise you. <laughs> and I... and. When we were standing there and I saw all that happening, I thought, what, what's Gran going to do? What's Gran going to do? And Gran got up from her pew, Sister Sylvia. And she started crying and she threw her, her arms around the neck of that man who tried to kill her son. That man who pulled a gun on him. That man who fired shots at him. That man ran him off the road. She hugged his neck. And through the every night of that revival, revival continued on. Because when God's doing that in revival, you don't cancel revival. Through every night of revival, they'd go and before service, Brother Corey, they'd get there together and they'd hug each other. They'd cry with each other. Brother Bobby's down there and his wife's praying through and his children are praying through. And I mean, God's moving in that meeting and there'd be Granny Merle should be over there laying hands on Bobby, laying hands on his wife, laying hands on everybody. Can I tell you, I came to let somebody know you got degrees in your mind of how bad your sin is. I want to tell you, if God can change the heart of a man and the heart of a mother and bring forgiveness, what shall separate me from the love of God? Absolutely nothing. There's not a drug so bad, not a wretch that's gone so far that he cannot save you. There isn't enough sin that can keep him from loving you. That can keep him from forgiving you. I want to let you know this morning. I want you to know that hell will try really hard. There are some of you in here. You battle. Every week you battle with something. Every day you're battling with something. Something. Because let me tell you something. The devil don't fight nice. He don't fight nice. He don't fight fair. He'll reach way back, Brother Jerry, sometimes things you've done forgot about, and he loves, loves to get a handful of it and throw it right in your face. Come on. Sister Diana, he loves to take every bit of shame, every bit of reproach, every bit of condemnation. And did you know, just before you walk even in the church house, come on, am I preaching anybody? Right before you even walk in, before you get on that platform, Brother Keith, and you're there to minister, right before it ever happens, he's just going to dump it on you. Come on. Right before you're ready to enter in, Brother Eddie, he will come and he'll just throw it at you and say, see, look at that. Look at who you are. You don't deserve to be here and you don't deserve this and God can't love you through that. I know what that preacher's saying, but these are the facts, son. This is the fact, lady. This is the fact, young person, is that you can't get past this. And you know what? That's one thing me and the devil can agree on. I can't get past it on my own. I can't change it on my own. But there is a Savior whose blood still flows from Calvary. Calvary's tree and the power of that blood is still just as real and powerful today as it was that very day. 
Oh, Romans 5, 6 through 11 said, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Come on here. You missed a good place to shout amen. For scarcely for a righteous man will one man die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us. Listen to this. This will make you shout. In that while we were yet sinners. Woo! Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Can I remind you again, Romans 5, 20 and 21 says, that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I want to let somebody know you're suffering today in silence. You're believing there's too much sin, too much pain, too much suffering. There isn't enough that'll keep him away. There isn't enough going to scare him. I know that you've scared some others off. I know there's some that abandoned you along the way. I know that some was trying to show you tough love. There was some trying to teach you a lesson. There was some situations, I get it, that you had to endure and there was a, it was a repercussion of your sin. But I'm going to tell you right now, aren't you glad that one day you looked up and you found that he kept on coming after you? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he kept on reaching to where you were? Listen, there also is not enough of yourself. Amen. There's not enough of yourself. What do you mean by that, Brother Jacob? You see, first of all, there are some that you cannot or you will not receive God's help because you're trying to help yourself. You're trying to improve the situation on your own. You're trying. You've got self-help, self-motivation. You've been self-educated. We can go on and on. We, can, we use terms like I'm a self-made man, a self-made woman. There are, so, there are so many of us that we're our biggest problem. Our biggest problem, I believe, is Brother Clendenin who used to say, is S-E-L-F itself. We get in the way of our own self. We get in the way our own thinking. We get in the way we're tripping over our own selves. There are some this morning you're saying 
it's too big, it's too ugly, I don't know if I can. Can I just say, you need to tell yourself, self, it's time for you to get out of the way. It's time for you to submit and surrender. It's time for you to obey the voice of the Lord. Can I tell you, I know, I know you got your head on your shoulders. I know you've been in this thing a long time. I know you've heard every message ever preached. I know you got all the songs memorized. I know that you know every point that I'm going to make before I even get to it. You're that spiritual and you're that good. I know you've been here from the very beginning of things. But I want to tell you this morning, there's not enough self, self-help and self-motivation and self-declaration and self-righteousness. You see, you didn't expect me to throw that one in there, did you? Self-righteous. We're so righteous. We're so holy. Let me tell you something. There is none so blind as he who will not see. Some that we said, and in our own selfish arrogance, we think all is well and all is right. I'm good. I'm great. I'm better than this one. Oh, Brother Jake, I know you as pastor, you got your problem, kids. You got those ones they all the time and stuff. They all the time and this and that. You ain't got to worry about me, bless the Lord. I've got this prayer life and I can read this many chapters and I show up to every prayer meeting and, and I, I've not missed a Sunday. I've never missed a year. I grin when I look at my tithing record. I give and I do this and I do that. Listen to me. There's not enough self-righteousness that'll save you. There's not enough memberships in all of Beaumont. You could be a member of every church. You could be on every pastor's council. You could have had the title of board member, Sunday school teacher, church janitor. It doesn't matter what it is. You cannot save yourself. You cannot help yourself. But there's only one who can redeem and rescue. There's only one that can pull you. So be careful because you're looking around at certain things and you're kind of frustrated this morning. There's things going on in your family, things going on in your marriage, things happening with your kids, and you're sitting there and you're saying, we'll figure it out ourselves. Too proud to ask for help, too proud to pray, too proud to seek the Lord, too prideful. Oh, I, no, you ain't going to find me at that altar. You ain't going to find me down there raising my hands and marching around the church and you ain't going to find me I'm strong I'm a strong person but Jake I ain't one of them well maybe you ought to become one of them maybe you ought to take into consideration that the sacrifices of the Lord is a contrite heart it's a broken spirit it is one who is willing to say like Paul when I am weak that's when you are strong there isn't enough of what you know, of what, let me put it like this, of what you think you know. There's not enough church education. There's not enough. You can, I mean, let me tell you, you can have owned every DVD, every sermon series, Clem Denon, the Turnage Boys ever preached and all there. You could have it all, but there's not enough self that can stop the suffering, that can stop the things that eternally only God can change. So I want to challenge you this morning. 
when there isn't enough, when you look around and you say, I'm just, I'm stretched so thin and I'm so, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted. I'm exasperated. I'm wore out. Some of you, you're so wore out because you're trying to do it your Look at your neighbor and just tell them, say, there ain't enough of me to go around. Go ahead and tell them. There ain't enough of me to go around. Come on here. As a matter of fact, let me tell you this, is that when you're trying to do it yourself, that's when you're frustrated the most. That's why you're angry. That's why you're upset. That's why you sit here and you're cross-eyed and your lips puckered out. And Come on. Because you're looking to yourself. Can I also tell you this? There is not enough Satan. There's not enough sin to keep him away. And there's not enough self that can change what it is. It's going to be changed by him. But let me tell you this. There's not enough of Satan to destroy the purposes of that God wants to do in you. Now I put self and Satan together because I believe, Brother Pickens, my first greatest enemy is me. I know that's not popular. We've blamed everything on the devil. But, but quit blaming him and realize that the first greatest enemy is yourself. And I will tell you that is that when you are dealing with self, then you be rest assured Satan's going to show up. Satan's going to show up and he is going to do his best to lie to you, accuse you, condemn you. He's going to do his best to thwart any of God's plans and purpose. And maybe today there are some you'd say, Brother Jacob, I'm fighting a bona fide fight with Satan himself. How many times have we used phrases like all of hell is against me? I believe you. I understand. I've been there. I've been there when it seemingly I could feel his hot breath on my neck. There was times that I knew, Brother Coleman, that it wasn't people I was fighting. It was an attitude and a spirit from the pit of hell itself. There were times, oh, that we're physically or mentally going through things. And I knew the adversary, Brother Gary was out to kill me. And he still is. The word of God says that adversary is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said, John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not but to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants you to know that. He wants you to be aware. The apostle Paul said, we are not ignorant of his devices. Sister Chikina, when the enemy shows up and he tries, listen, he will try every intimidation tactic to make you think that he is greater than your God. To make you think he is greater than prayer. That he is greater than the blood. That he is greater than the word of God. Hear me. Because there are some things that he has said and whispered in your ear. And you're sitting here today and you believe it. Matter of fact, let me just tell you this church. I wish we believed God's word as much as we believe the devil's lies. I just wish we would. Well, Brother Jacob, I'm here, I'm a Christian, I'm born again, I believe God. But, we, but you look around and you listen to discussions and you see the evidence in people's life. No, sir, no, ma'am, you're believing more of his lie 
then you are believing the word of God. Then you are believing God's plan. Otherwise, you wouldn't be put to the ringer every week. Otherwise, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be wrestling with some of this stuff that's floating around in your mind all the time. Listen, and I'm preaching to myself. I'm telling you, Brother Tobin, it, it, is, it is so true of the fact of how many times I've literally had to stop and say, God, you didn't say that. God, you, your word never says this. Brother Hemphill, there's days I sure believe a lot of stuff that's completely contrary to God's word. Oh, everybody got nervous. Oh, Lord, that means Brother Jake, he's a false prophet. No, I'm talking about the things personally that come into our mind that is our struggle. And we know it's contrary. We know God did not say that. And God does not think that way. And God does not, Brother Eddie, operate that way. So I came to tell somebody this morning, there's not enough Satan to stop what God wants to do and accomplish in your life. Let me take it a step further. Sister Sandy, there's not enough Satan that can stop what God wants to do for your children and your grandchildren. There's not enough Satan that can stop what God wants to do for your husband. For your wife, there's not enough Satan that will that can stop God, Amen, from doing His will and for on your behalf, Amen, and for the way that it will impact not only your life and your family. Listen, the Bible gives us, and I'm coming to a close, brother Danny, sister Carolyn. If you'll come, I want you to remember a couple of illustrations here from the Word of God. The Bible says that Satan, he went to uh, uh, God and stood before him and God said have you considered my servant Job and Satan said if you will quit blessing him if you will quit giving him everything he wants he will curse you he will turn his back on you and God said I tell you what put him to the test go ahead and put him to the test he said the one thing you cannot do is you cannot take his life. And so, Sister Pickens, Satan went and put his finger. There was death and destruction on his children, on his business, on his wealth, on his friendships, on his mind and his emotions, in his body. Oh, but Job, no matter how bad Satan came, Brother Eddie, there was not enough Satan that would stop Job from saying, though he slay me, yet will I bless him. He said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, because Job knew there's not enough devil. Come on here. Think about right now. Some of the things that's prevented you. You haven't lost anything. But there are some things because it's a certain inconvenience in your life. Boy, you just don't know if you can serve God. Because certain things are out of place or certain things. This is a big one for today's church. Because it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. 
I want somebody to hear me right now. Too many of us have romanticized ideas about serving God. Well, Brother Jacob, you're busting our bubble. I thought that you already said he loved me and forgive me and all those. Yes, he does. But here's the deal. You're wanting everything in your world perfect. You're wanting everything to come along to where you don't have a bad day. And you're not contending and fighting the flesh. And you're not up against this. And you're not up against that. I'm telling you, Satan's warring. And let me assure you of this. Sister Amy, he will continue to fight until Christ comes. And we go either in the rapture or Brother Tobin, whether I go in the grave. I'm going to fight him. Right now in this building, Sister Rivier is the oldest saint in here. Sister, Sister Music, isn't Sister Rivier a little older than you? 93. Sister Rivier, 97. No, 95. Sister Polly trying to get me in trouble. Let me just, let me just ask a question. <clears throat> Sister Rivier, do you, do you still fight the devil? She just said, I've got to pray every day. Sister Music, you still fight the devil? Don't let the snow white hair fool you to think that you graduate to where the devil says, I'm just going to leave her alone. Don't happen. So Sister Rivier, Sister Music, whatever you put, wherever you put yourself, until we either go by the grave or until we're raptured out of here. And I pray that rapture happens soon. You're going to fight Satan. Peter. Peter was... There we know all about Peter. We can talk all about Peter the Apostle and all these things. But let me tell you something that, that happened. Peter, in the places of his greatest failures, Brother Chad, he denied Christ. He had already tried to rebuke Christ and tell him, no, you're not going to go to the cross. We'll die, we'll die instead. Jesus called him Satan and said, get behind me, Satan. Rebuked him. Jesus knew what failures was going to be because he told Peter, he said, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. The gospel tells us that when he did that, that Peter looked across the courtyard and his eyes made contact with Christ. He knew it. He ran out, Sister Anna, the Bible says, and he wept bitterly. One disciple already that day committed suicide. That was Judas. Couldn't live with the guilt. Satan laughing at him all the way. And here we find Peter. He's got a choice. But listen to what Christ told Peter. Brother Coleman, there was conversation and Peter was told this by Christ. He said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. And Sister Diana, he didn't leave him in that place and say, Sorry, guy, figure that out on your own. He didn't do that. 
He said, Peter, pay attention. Everything I've told you has come to pass. Everything I've said is going to come to fruition. He said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But, Brother Pickens, I'm so glad the story didn't stop there. He said, but I have prayed for you. told him Tobin he said that your faith would fail not sister music there ain't enough Satan because we've got a savior who the Bible tells us he daily makes intercession for us so what's that tell me he's still praying for me brother Udy he's still praying for you sister Amber Oh, it's one thing call your pastor, have your pastor pray. It's one thing to call mama and have mama pray. It's one thing to call daddy and have daddy pray. But Brother Keith, it ain't nothing compared to knowing that the Lord Jesus, he daily is praying. He daily is interceding on our behalf. So with confidence I can say there's not enough Satan. Satan showed up in that garden, believe you me, he did, trying to talk Christ out of it. Three times, Brother Marvin, Christ asked the Father, he said, if it's possible, if it's possible, take this cup from me. He knew what it was. He knew the price that would be paid. As a matter of fact, so much stress, so much emotional agony, sweat turned into blood as he prayed in that garden. But he declared, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. But here's where the story gets very interesting. Is in all of these things, it was hell's, what they thought, hell was its best day. The Son of God is dead. Back in the 70s, Time Magazine put on their cover, God is dead. Some of you might remember that said God is dead on that day on that good Friday when he gave up the ghost and they pulled his body down and laid him in a tomb brother Chad I believe truly that hell they prematurely began to celebrate brother Aaron they said we've got him he's dead he died taken upon the sin of the world no more help for humanity oh but can somebody shout and say aren't you glad that three days later that three days later there was not enough Satan there was not enough tomb there was not enough death hell of the grave that could keep him down oh but he got up and he rose from the dead and he is alive forevermore because there isn't enough Satan there isn't enough hell that'll keep God from doing what he wants to do in a life sister Amy that will be given to him some of you this morning maybe you think there's too much sin maybe there's too much of yourself maybe you'd say there's too much Satan too much of this too much of that there isn't enough. Paul said, he said, I've looked around. Paul said, I've lived a little. He said, I've had loss. 
I've suffered famine and peril and sword and nakedness. And then he went on and he said, there's been some things. He, he said, principalities, powers. He said, things present or things to come. He said, whatever it is, he said, here's what my declaration. Matter of fact, it wasn't just a declaration, Aaron. He said these words in the beginning. He said, I am persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Can we stand together all over this house? I know it's a little bit later. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Right there where you stand, church, can you just begin to pray? Can you just begin to call on the Lord? This morning, I believe the Holy Ghost is dealing and stirring. I believe He's reminding some folks in this building. There are some of you that even this week, maybe there's been sin you've been contending with. And you came into church this morning. Not happy, not joyful, but you came in guilty. You came in condemned. You came in thinking there's no way. You came in thinking there's no way God will love me, but I'll just go ahead. I'll be there. I'll be there to see if it helps. I'll be there to see if I could, maybe my conscience, it'll feel to ease my conscience. But I'm here to tell somebody this morning there's not enough sin that he can't forgive. Maybe today you're battling with self, self-motivation, self-help. You're trying to figure it out yourself. Maybe you're contending with self-righteousness. Maybe thinking or under the illusion or impression that you've done something, that you are somebody. Oh, that maybe you deserve all these good things. And, but yet this morning, I want to remind you, there's not enough self that can save you. There's not enough self-help that will bring you out of everything. There's there's not enough self-motivation. There's definitely not enough self-righteousness that's going to keep you. But we need you, Lord. And there's definitely not enough Satan. You're contending with that adversary. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's lied to you all week. He has fought you. Hell has fought you. And this morning, God wants you to know there's not enough of these things. Nothing can separate me. Nothing and all these things, nothing can separate me from the love of God. This morning, it may be one of these three points I've shared. It might be a plethora of other things. And that's perfectly fine. The Holy Ghost is dealing and the Holy Ghost is speaking. And He knows exactly what you've needed to hear. And you need to be reminded that when there isn't enough of these things, that Christ is always enough. And if you want His help, if you want His help to overcome sin, you want His help to overcome self, you want His power to be in full display to overcome Satan because He's already overcome him. Why don't we come and find ourselves a place in these altars? Why don't you right now step out from where you are? Come on, church. Let's obey the Lord this morning. Why don't you come and say, Lord, I've been trying on my own. Lord, I've been trying. I mean, I, there's been some things where sin has convinced me. I've been convinced I've gone too far. I, 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 I'm too far down the road. I've got too much of a past. I've got too much pain. I've got too much shame. Oh! 
all, but this morning God says, there isn't enough that it keep me from loving you. There isn't enough that it keep me from forgiving you. Oh, maybe there's self. Maybe there's a battle within yourself. Oh, and God wants you to know this morning. He can get you past yourself. He can get you over yourself. Oh, Satan is a liar. Satan has been defeated. There's not enough Satan. Oh, Stop you in your 